mentioned earlier the uh, Church of Colossians to whom Paul spoke and, uh, and taught, and it's from there that uh, Michael will be bringing his message. So uh, we're going to turn to that now and have a look at the book of Colossians um, from chapter 3, um, starting at verse 1. That's Colossians 3, starting at verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let us pray a prayer of confession <coughs> written by Bob Kaufman. Holy and righteous God, we confess that like Isaiah, we are a people of unclean lips. But it is not only unclean lips we possess. We are people with unclean hands and unclean hearts. We have broken your law times without number and are guilty of pride unbelief, self-centeredness and idolatry. Affect our hearts with the severity of our sin and the glory of your righteousness as we now acknowledge our sins in your holy presence. 
We have had other gods before you. We have worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. We have sought satisfaction in this world's pleasures rather than in you. We have loved to praise our own glory more than yours. We have taken your name in vain. We have prayed religious prayers to impress others. We have uttered your name countless times without reverence or love. And we have listened to others use your name in vain without grieving. We have murdered in our hearts. We have often destroyed our neighbour with our tongues. We have been quick to uncharitably judge others. We have considered revenge when we were sinned against. We have committed adultery with our eyes. We have loved temptation rather than fighting it. We have lusted after unlawful and immoral pleasures. We have justified our lusts by using the world as our standard. We have stolen what is not ours and coveted what belongs to others. Our lives overflow with discontent, ungratefulness and envy. We have complained in the midst of your abundant provision. We have sought to exalt ourselves through owning more. We have lied to you and to us. We have told distorted truths, half-truths and untruths. We have despised the truth to make ourselves look better. Even in our confession, we look for ways to hide our guilt. Oh God, we have sinned against your mercy times without number. We are ashamed to lift up our faces before you, for our iniquities have gone over our heads. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, O oh Lord, who could stand? How shall we answer you? We lay our hands on our mouths. We had no answer to your righteous wrath and just judgment. We have no answer. But God himself has mercifully provided one for us. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In Christ Jesus do we find your grace. In Christ Jesus we can know forgiveness. And we are grateful. Amen. Paul's now going to have a news in our prayers for the wife of God. following Gina's lead last week and doing things a little bit differently but uh, nothing uncomfortable I promise and try and get an opportunity just to clear those things in our mind that have cluttered perhaps this week or next week coming up or the Sunday lunch in the oven or whatever it is so um, I'm going to do this in three parts I just want you to briefly think of three specific things in your life uh, things that spring to mind. Firstly, when you did something good, something that made you proud. Now, don't be too humble. 
something that you did that made you feel good and satisfied. Secondly, something that frightened you, made you scared. Not a spider on the carpet, I mean really frightened. Finally, something or somewhere or someone who made you really happy. So while you're thinking of those three things in your life that made you proud, frightened and happy, let me read some lyrics by Fanny Crosby, written nearly 150 years ago. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Saviour am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. So think about that time when you were proud, you did well, an accomplishment, and then let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for life's experiences, and especially those that went well. Thank you for guiding us through life and giving us choices to make. We thank you for each other here in this place, for our individual characters, breadth of experience, our different gifts. May we seek to befriend each other, to minister to those we know in need, to encourage one another, even when we are not on top of everything ourselves. Let us harbour no grudges or bad feeling. Instead, recognise good in everyone and make this fellowship a happy one where people feel welcome, valued and truly among friends. As we have considered an accomplishment in our own lives, may we strive to build good things here in this church, whether that's by regular prayer, jobs in the church, or reaching out to our community. May these things all be for your glory. May our leaders in government, here and overseas, push constructive policies that build, help, encourage and reward them. Give them insight and wisdom to accomplish things that they and us will be proud of in years to come. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Saviour all the day long. Now let's think about that time when we were frightened or insecure. And then let's pray. Father, we reach in prayer for those around the world who are living every day in fear. Those in the Yemen, Syria and other war-torn parts of the world. For those who fear for their life, their children, their next meal, their whole future. We pray for genuine refugees seeking a new life in a neighbouring country or in a new country where language and traditions are so different especially those who are grateful to be away from civil war, yet are made to feel so unwelcome and unwanted. We pray for those who want to practice their own faith wherever, but are denied or even persecuted. Let your love, the love of God, shine out in their lives, that their persecutors may be challenged and changed. Give wisdom 
and encouragement to the relief agencies present. We bring those that are close to places or persons where the coronavirus has been found. We pray for the medics in hospitals, clinics and quarantine centres and for those striving to contain the virus and develop vaccinations and remedies. Today, we also think of those in this country who are flooded or awaiting flood water or who are without power. Help those in need and those serving their immediate and longer term needs. May the church in these places seek opportunities to help the communities in which they belong. This is my story. This is my soul. Praising my Saviour all the day long. Finally, thinking about something really happy, just one thing at a time, a place or a person, and then let's pray. Our Father, you created this lovely world. We can never stop being amazed at the wonder of creation and your endless attention to detail. May we extend our Christian love to those around us, our families, friends, neighbours, colleagues, and even the driver of the car in front, or the person sitting next to us on the bus or train. May we shine for Jesus as a silent witness to those around us. Let's quietly pray for those in our hearts at this time. Let us be happy in our own situation. May we see our lives as a good testament to your love and the even greater gift of things to come. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Open foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. We rejoice in these words, again from Fanny Crosby. A lady who expressed her love for her Saviour, Lord Jesus, despite losing her, aid, her sight at a very early age. This is my story. This is my soul. Praising my Saviour all the day long. Amen. Thanksgiving for all, perhaps even those we do not like, those we do not, that, that we disagree with, in authority. And in fact, we are to use our mouths and our tongues for giving thanks rather than for evil. To the Ephesians, he reminds them, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So we can often out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and maybe we say things that we regret, but if we <coughs> are struggling to find what to say, has that got any water in it? That may be yours, isn't it? <coughs> um, we may be struggling what to say, then give thanks. Express thanks to God if we don't know what else to say. And thanksgiving is not to be reluctant or begrudging. Paul says we are to give joyful 
thanks to the Father. Again in Colossians. And there's many other aspects of thanks that Paul expresses and teaches that I don't have time to share this morning, nor do I have time to share all the others uh, that shared things to do with thanksgiving. But why is Paul emphasising thanksgiving? Well, because of the Old Testament scriptures and because Jesus has have offering thanks as an essential priority of prayer and worship. Let's look at these two, the Old Testament. In fact, we're commanded to give thanks. Repeatedly, we're told, give thanks to the Lord. And we're called to sacrifice thank offerings to God. In fact, that's a voluntary thing in the law of God. And thanksgiving is portrayed as an invaluable weapon of spiritual warfare that I don't have time to go in today. But often we can give thanks to God and situations are sorted before we've even got there. But there is the repeated command to let them give thanks to the Lord, to let the people of God give thanks to the Lord, to let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy, to let us come before him with thanksgiving and extolling with music and song. May we let others and may we let ourselves give thanks to God, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the God of heaven, as the psalmist expresses it, to give thanks to him. In fact, the reason for crying out to God to save, to gather, to deliver, is given, quote, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. If you're struggling to know why you're here, what God wants you to do, this is a good first place to start. Give thanks to God. And this thanksgiving must be willing Repeatedly we hear the refrain throughout the, the Old Testament, I will give thanks. The psalmists uh, in particular express this willing desire and determination to give thanks. For example, I will give thanks to you Lord with all my heart. In fact in the Old Testament, those from the tribe of Levi were assigned and organised to give thanks to the Lord in, a, in an organised sense, in a corporate sense, to lead the thanksgiving of all the people as part of their life of worship. For some of them, this was their sole role in the life of the community of people, of God's people. Some were singers, some were musicians, all devoted to the task of giving thanks. And we can read that many times. Um, Nehemiah gives an interesting example when he came to dedicate the rebuilt walls of Jerusalem. In fact, he looks back on the times of the kings and the, the Levite appointments for thanksgiving and he appropriated it for his time to give thanks to God for the restoration of his people and the holy city. Again, Nehemiah chapter 12, long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, 
There have been directors for the musicians and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And at the direction of the wall of Jerusalem, at the dedication of the rule of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to joyfully celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. In fact, Nehemiah established a group of people solely responsible for ensuring that there were songs of thanksgiving with the, an organised and coordinated effort to give thanks. It's been interesting to see us singing in parts here uh, because one of the uh, ways in which Nehemiah did that sounds very much like this. The leaders of the Levites and their associates stood opposite them to give praise and thanksgiving, one section responding to the other, as prescribed by David, the man of God. And Nehemiah himself assembles two large choirs to give thanks. That's what they do, to give thanks. And these had named singers, we can see all their names, and an overall leader, a fascinating part of this with these two large choirs. We read how one was to proceed on top of the wall to the right, towards the Dung Gate. Sounds pleasant, doesn't it? And the second choir proceeded in the opposite direction, past the Tower of the Ovens. So one choir got the smell of dung, and the other got the smell of baking bread. I don't think they were voluntary, I think they were put in their choirs, otherwise you could tell which choir would have been the bigger one. Uh, but both, both are called to give thanks to God. Whatever situation you find yourself, whether it is with the smell of dung or the smell of baked bread, whether it's a pleasant time or a horrible time, give Thanks to God. And actually those two, it says, worked round until they all assembled together. And the scriptures make clear that we are to give thanks whoever we are, wherever we are. As we come through the gates, we enter and we give thanks. When we approach the altar, we give thanks. When we are gathered, when we are assembled when we're by ourselves, we give thanks. Take the, the example of uh, Daniel, who, in the face of persecution, continued his holy habit of thanking God. We read how he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God as was his custom. And we give thanks. Why? Well, the scriptures spell it out for us in a number of places. Because of God's love and goodness, the repeated refrain and reason is, for he is good, his love endures forever. Uh, because of God's righteousness, because God answers and saves, because of God's wonderful deeds, because of his wisdom, power, his revelation, because of restoration from ruin, we give thanks to honour God. And we can give thanks at any time of the day and throughout the night. And again we have examples of giving thanks every morning, 
and evening, even at midnight. Daniel thanked God three times a day. One psalmist declares thanksgiving seven times a day. What is our excuse for not giving thanks? The Apostle Paul also walked in the example of Jesus Christ in thanksgiving. And of course Jesus' life began with thanksgiving. In Luke chapter 2 the prophetess Anna came up to Jesus' parents as they were presenting their son at the temple. We read how at that very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child. That moment that she had been waiting for, her immediate response was to give thanks to God and to speak about Jesus. And of course Jesus modelled a life of prayer and thankfulness. When he comes to feed the 5,000, looking up to heaven, he gives thanks. He does similar feeding the 4,000. Mark phrases it interestingly. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. No matter how little, he gave thanks. And as he shares his last Passover meal with his disciples, he takes bread when he had given thanks. He broke it, gave it to his disciples. He took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. He also gives thanks, breaking bread after his resurrection. Does he raise Lazarus from the dead? He prefaces this miracle with thanksgiving. They took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And of course, the natural response of people's encounters with Jesus and the healing that he brought to their lives was thanksgiving. We have one prime example. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Samaritans, the Jews, were despised people. And yet here is a man who gives thanks to God. And that thanks is accepted by God. Shock of shocks. The Samaritan held up as an example of thanksgiving. A man with the attitude of gratitude. Now it's important to say that Jesus made clear that not all thanksgiving expressed was acceptable or commended. Remember Jesus' parable of how the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. That Pharisee did not go home right with God because of his arrogance, his pride, even though outwardly and publicly he gave thanks to God. See, thanksgiving in prayer, in sacrificial offerings, in name only, with lips only, 
is not acceptable thanksgiving. It must be of the heart and alongside repentance and obedience. Here also the warnings of Amos. Go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes. Burn leavened bread as a thank offering and brag about your free will offerings. Boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do, declares the Sovereign Lord. Yet you have not returned to me. So may we be a people who are marked by the attitude of gratitude, a gratitude that resides in our hearts because we have encountered for ourselves the love of God through the goodness and grace of his sending his son Jesus to be our saviour. That love that overflows from our hearts and spills out into the lives of others for our witness and our words and our worship. May that gratitude be accompanied by repentance and obedience to God, not lip service to God. He sees through it all. And as Paul commands the Ephesians in a similar sense, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.